Hello everyone, it's Creatively Anzi here. Stories, plays and poems. Happy New Year! I know it's February now, but still this is my first day back doing um, podcasting for these stories um, that I'm doing and so I just want to make sure everyone is happy and safe and that we're all starting the new year right. Um, this year I want to do um, way more stories and way more plays way more poems just a lot more content for you guys i would really appreciate some feedback as well should we do should we talk about the stories that i um work on too i'm gonna add that at the end of the podcast this year just a little bit of my thoughts about what i've just read out i hope that's okay let me know um this is a short story called the jungle and it's a, a fictional story about a young girl and some terrible things that happened to her. They call it the jungle. Do you want to die? He had said, his eyes seeming to stare into her soul. She had shaken her head vigorously at the question, self-preservation taking over. But now she wondered if she had given the wrong answer, if maybe the other option would have been easier, safer even. It had all started when she had witnessed something, a casual observation, a curious turn of her head, and everything had changed. Because while she had been watching someone, someone had been watching her. And now she had to pay for an action that was so accidental in nature, it almost seemed like the fates had conspired and planned it. Her name was called, and on legs shaking with cold and fatigue, she walked forward. They'd torn her clothes and physically dragged her through the dirt. The rougher stones in the concrete pierced the soft flesh of her feet with every step, but she kept moving forward. The wind was an insistent noise in her ears, reflecting what she felt inside as it howled. The light rain baptising her over and over again as she sinned with every step. So much noise and stillness all around her, but she kept moving forward. Her breath was stolen as the first car whooshed past her so fast she didn't actually see it, but she felt it as her body was spun right around to face the way she had come from. Eyes steaming hot liquid, she turned back around and and caught a glimpse of them gesturing for her to come. She was confused. Surely they knew she couldn't fail. She would die. Another step, a sound she felt vibrate through her bones and had her jumping and almost falling. It might have been a car horn, but she couldn't be sure. Her ears were ringing, her eyes were running. Sedra felt a hand grab her shoulder and she flinched. The car had stopped, a smile, and words were being directed at her. She shook her head. She didn't speak the language. Gestures and a soft push on her back. She was supposed to follow this man. She nodded slowly and cast a furtive glance behind her. They were approaching fast, boots eating up the space so quickly that the driver who had just turned around had no chance of protecting himself when he was struck down to the ground, accusing eyes staring at Cedra for a moment before they closed forever. The three raided the man's car, the man's clothes, nothing was left untouched. Cedra was dragged into the car as they drove away, leaving the man with his eyes shut on the side of the road. Jubilation all around her, three cheering and talking loudly, their voices surrounding her, choking her. Her stomach revolted and she vomited green liquid into the car. Shouting surrounded her as the door was thrown open and she was pushed out of the moving car. The world spun a few times before the concrete skinned the left side of her body. She kept heaving, her stomach trying to get rid of what her mind could not. 
weakness and disorientation, the concrete a cold, wet, apologising kiss on her grazed cheek. She was yanked to her feet. Her face was grabbed and forcibly turned in the direction of the stain she'd made in the car. A hard hand came across her face, dazzling her for a moment. Eyes focused on her in anger, and Cedra wondered if she would, if it would all end before she even realised it was over. Words she didn't understand lashing down on her, but an action she did, universal for death. A finger from one end of her throat to the other, a nod, and she responded with her own. Into the car she went again, the smell surrounding them, as the windows were rolled down si- soundlessly, and the heat was cranked up. Feet sticky and wet with her bodily fluids, the right side of her face smarting from the slap and the cold wind whipping her hair around, the left side of her body burning up with heat from the three in the car. A ride where all she could see were the trees, dancing in the strong breeze. The air fresh with replenished soil, the car slowed and Sedra began to put shaky fingers to the door but was hauled out, becoming airborne for a few moments as she was tossed onto the floor. Boots filled her line of sight. The laces done in a bow she would have called pretty, maybe had her hair had in her hair another day in another life. Gentle fingers on her chin, and she looked into eyes brighter than the ocean and just as cold. The leader, the one who spoke her language. Her chin was gripped harder, the hold crushing, bruising, her mouth open and he popped something in, bitter and small. She wanted to gag, but he forced her mouth closed. It went down her throat, as he said. It'll make you feel better. Sometime later, she didn't know how long. She could almost believe him, because her body began to loosen. Her muscles aching from the cold, unyielding floor relaxed, and her mind emptied. She sat up slowly, her gaze on focus, and tried to stand. She had the sudden urge to go to the toilet, but her feet wouldn't work, and she almost fell to the floor again. The leader came back to her again, and she wasn't afraid. Somehow, whatever he had given her made her invincible because she wasn't feeling angry anymore either, despite not eating for two days. Maybe if he kept giving that to her, she wouldn't feel so bad. Detective Marion Chauvette, police headquarters. We're closing in on these sons of bitches, Captain Rufus Roland said, tapping on the board with an accusatory finger. This so-called child of Satan and her bottom-dwelling followers are being brought down tonight. Detective Marion shared a look with her partner before walking to the front. Ever since the media had decided to get involved, a case that had first been reported on a sideline was now headlining every news channel, newspaper, and as a result, had received international attention. Officers from her station in Calais, along with some of the more senior detectives in the head office in Paris, had all squeezed into the brief- briefing room. It had been a month since Marion had first come across the girl, or as the press had christened her, the child of Satan. This so-called child of Satan was allegedly responsible for luring over two dozen cars off the road, where her gang would rob and brutalise the drivers. Three drivers had ended up dying later on from their wounds. Detective Marion recounted the plan she and the five other officers had put together last night. I want to go in hot, but I want them alive. They need to pay for what they have done, Detective Marion finished. Dirty dwellers think they can come into our country and steal even more from us, one of the detectives at the back said, and everyone agreed. All right, everyone, go and gear up. We leave in 20, the captain said. When everyone had fouled out, he turned to her and Pierre. Tensions are hot, are very hot right now, and a lot of anti-dweller crimes, and this story is the focus point. We need a win, the captain said. Both Marion and Pierre nodded. I pity these people, Pierre said as they walked out. 
All they've ever known is violence from a young age. Their country's in riot, bombs outside their front doors, missing body parts, the norm. No wonder when they come here, even if it's a better life, they can't help but continue. It's all they've ever known. Marion didn't agree with this assessment at all. She knew of many dwellers that had been normal, law-abiding citizens back in their own country before war forced them to migrate and continued to be law-abiding. I still think there is more to this, this story, she began. Pierre scoffed. Why? Because you were one of those optimists that voted for them to come? Open your eyes. There's a reason why they call it the jungle. Who lives in jungles but animals? Marion frowned. She didn't say anything as they parted ways with him to change. Derogatory terms were the last of her concerns when it came to the jungle problem. She had just signed on to run a private task force that was investigating crimes committed on the dwellers that simply went unreported because the dwellers weren't citizens and thereby were thought to have no rights. A few weeks ago, someone had sabotaged the generators and the entire camp had lost electricity for several days. Multiple people had been reported missing and dead, but these cases simply went unanswered. With food scarce and sympathy drying up, it was only a matter of time before even the most well-meaning dweller turned to other means to feed and protect themselves. Marion shook her head. Sympathy for the law-abiding dwellers was one thing, but for the devil? Despite her gut telling her that there was more to the story, she couldn't do that. She halted her weapon and jumped into the back of the SUV, along with the others. The tension inside the vehicle was palpable. These men and women around her weren't out for justice. Only death would satisfy their bloodlust. They pulled up to a small warehouse that, if her intel was correct, was the base of the gang's operation. Derelict and decaying, the warehouse was situated in a dense area of the woods on the outskirts of the jungle. An unnatural hush met them as they surrounded the warehouse. Despite it being called a jungle, very little wildlife ventured here, which spoke volumes to the standard of living. The captain had just given a signal when shots rang out. Everyone headed for the door. Marion almost ran into Pierre, who had stopped dead, the scene in front of him apparently too gruesome because he turned and bolted for the door, wrenching sounds following soon after. Marion walked forward. The iron-rich scent of blood pierced her nose first, before the deep crimson colour caught her attention. But if, but it was nothing compared to the image of a girl, younger than they had all thought, about seven years of age, thin to the point of emaciation, holding a bloodied hammer in her hand, an expression so serene that it jarred Marion. On the floor around her, three bodies, shot dead in various and multiple parts of their bodies. But it seemed like she had saved the fourth guy, a heavy-set teenager, for last, his brain matter still leaking out of his skull. The child wavered on her feet for a moment before dropping the hammer from what looked like sheer exhaustion. The sound echoing around the silent rip, which was suddenly filled with action, as every officer reached for their gun and trained it on to the devil's air. Marion walked forward, her boots squelching with blood that was no doubt still warm. The child looked up at her, eyes too big for her fine bone face, pupils enlarged unnaturally, devoid of any emotion. Don't shoot, Marion said, just as the child began to fall. Marion picked up the child, who weighed almost nothing, and turned to leave the room. Marion, the captain said slowly, the usually unfallible man looking dazed and horrified. He's been living here with four teenage boys who've been drugging her. Don't make me spell out what was likely going on here, Marion said, her tone harsh to even her ears as she saw her captain flinch. Crading the girl close to her chest, she walked out. Centre de Hospital de Calais. 
Cedra woke up to her body thrashing around as she tried to stop the shaking, but it kept happening until her eyes closed and the darkness claimed her once more. When her eyes opened again, her body was still, but she felt sick, her mouth was dry, her bones brittle. She wanted something, but she didn't know what. The lights in the room were too bright, the room too clean, the place too foreign. She didn't belong here. She tried to sit up and realised she was chained. Cedra stared at the restraints. She could feel her mind beginning to tell her something, but it was still hazy. Her ears had began to ring. Should she escape? Should she remain? Maybe she should lie down and never wake again. The door opened and the policewoman she had seen when she had done that bad thing walked in. She spoke and Cedra just watched her. The ring in her ears was getting louder and louder, the world getting smaller and smaller. Her body began to shake again and she walked and she welcomed the darkness that came for her. Cedra woke suddenly this time, her mind alert as she sat up, her eyes darting around the room. The walls were dripping with blood, someone with blue eyes coming towards her. She opened her mouth eagerly and the pain in her chest eased. She didn't care anymore when she jumped in the car and left people with their eyes closed on the street. Four hooded figures surrounded her and one of her grabbed her arm and began to push up her skirt. Her mind screamed, never again. Never again would someone touch her. No! Cedra woke up, screaming the word. Doctors and nurses rushed in. She kept screaming, her body thrashing, her mind rebelling. The more they tried to touch her, the more her body revolted, and her lungs quaked with her screams. Then the policewoman put her face near Cedra's, her hands, her hands close but not touching, softly whispering words that Cedra couldn't understand. But somehow she knew was supposed to be kindness, and her eyes began to close again. Detective Marion, ICU, Centre du Hospital du Calais. Detective Marion hadn't left the little girl's side since she had been admitted five days ago. Five days where the doctor struggled to save her emaciated body that was currently dependent on narcotics. Despite the amount of food and money they had discovered on the property, the four now deceased teenagers had to have been feeding her next to nothing. The drugs had been flushed out, but her body was so weak they didn't know if she would make it through the detox, especially the first two days where she seized several times. It didn't help that the little girl was refusing human contact. Marion, Detective Pierre said softly. She glared at him as he put his hands up. We failed them. We failed them all, Marion said, her voice intense as she watched the little girl toss and turn in her sleep. This isn't our... If you think that this isn't our fault, then you are lying to yourself, she said angrily. We did this. One of those teenagers she killed was an honour student at his school back in his country. Lost his mum to war and his father and little sister on the journey here. The others have similar stories. I'm not saying they're all upstanding people, but they were all still children. No families struggling to survive in a place they thought would be a sanctuary, but turned out to be another kind of hell. There's a reason why they call it a jungle, Pierre said sadly. Does it sit well with you that such a young children are being raised in a jungle? Mary impressed. Pierre was about to respond when the captain did it for him. No, it does not, Captain Rufus said. I've called a press conference for tomorrow night. You should tell this story. It felt like mere moments and not a day when Marion was standing before the world's press, the little girl, Cedra, by her side. An emptiness and vacancy that didn't belong in the eyes of a child so young as she held onto the wheelchair with such force that her knuckles protruded from her skin. The cameras went crazy when Cedra was first wheeled out. Most newspapers reporting that they'd always suspected a deeper story going on. 
whilst others speculating on what could have provoked someone so young to perform an act so brutal. Marion stepped forward. Look at this innocent girl beside me. Her name is Cedra. She represents many of the faceless and nameless children that have been welcomed into our country and left to rot in the place so heinous we refer to it as the jungle. We think that just welcoming them in, even allowing them to stay, was the greatest kindness in the world. Look at Cedra and remember her before we congratulate ourselves for our so-called kindness. She was forced into helping a group of teenagers she didn't know whilst they force-fed narcotics into her system and treated her in a way no woman, let alone a child, should ever have to endure. Marion shook her head and blinked away the moisture in her eyes. We have let the children down. We are failing this new generation by throwing them, no, forcing them in at the mercy of a pitless environment where children are turning to drugs and to crime. We force them because we are responsible for them now. However they came to be here, we have a responsibility that we have been neglecting. By ignoring this, we have left these people, these children, with no other options. So things they would never even dream of doing, they now have to consider. Take a look at Cedra and tell me that she had any other choice than the choice she was forced into. It's time we wake up to what is outside our front door and take real action before it is too late. Marion turned and felt Cedra's small hand slip into hers. I really hope you enjoyed the jungle or actually it gave you something to think about as well. That story was inspired by an article I read about um, the situation that's going on in Calais, France and all the refugees coming into the country and I it really sort of rocked me what was happening there and I just wanted this story just sort of came out of that situation and it manifested itself in that way um i'd love to know everyone's thoughts so please 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 let me know your comments um below wherever you're re watching listening to this sorry um i have a blog of course please follow chocolate is the only cure because it is <laughs> um my twitter and instagram are creatively anzi please give me a follow and um, please make sure that um, your comments, everything like that, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. I will be doing um, twice a month podcasting and maybe a few special treats here and there, especially as Valentine's Day is coming up. Maybe a romantic story, who knows? For now, see everyone later. I hope everyone is good. Bye.